So we are going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. So you can find this on page 1156 in the Bibles provided in the chairs. So I invite you to follow along with me. Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us once, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift. There it is. The gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we are so grateful for your gospel. We are so grateful for the gift of salvation in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for wisdom and understanding. That your Holy Spirit would give us discernment. That you would make us alive to know and hear and believe the truth of your scriptures. Guide us now. We thank you for your love. In Christ's name, amen. What is everything about? Why do you exist? Why was anything created? Those are good questions. The answer is in Ephesians 1, verse 6. This is it. If anyone ever asked you, what's the meaning of everything? I encourage you to take them to Ephesians 1, verse 6. Here it is. To the praise of his glorious grace. That's it. You don't even need the whole verse. That's it. Everything is for the praise of God's glorious grace. That's it. That God would receive all the glory and that His grace, His mercy, 
His love would be lifted up and displayed. So that's the purpose of all the creation. Remember, before all of creation, God has always been Father, Son, Holy Spirit in perfect relationship, in perfect union. Love, perfect. Yet God creates for the purpose that His glory and His grace would be displayed. It's a beautiful thing. At the heart of that beauty and grace is the gospel. This is the mystery. This is the mystery that Christ reveals the answer to. This is where everything comes together. As we're going through the marks of a healthy church, right now we're in the mark of evangelism. Evangelism. A healthy church is a church that in every way it can, through its words and actions and relationships, lifts up the gospel of Jesus Christ. Reaches out to the lost. Points to the cross. Points to the empty tomb. Points to the coming again of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is everything. This is everything. So as we look at Ephesians 2, this is the heart of the gospel. You want to know how to do evangelism? Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. So as we go through these verses, we're going to see the gospel lifted up. And in this, we see a pattern and a way to share and talk about the truths of what is the gospel. Because that's our everything. And that's the purpose for everything. So if you want, on the back of the bulletin, there is an outline that you can follow along. It gives different references as we walk through these different scriptures. I encourage you to keep your books open, Ephesians 2, as we go through. So when we look at the gospel, it begins with this. The gospel begins with God's love. For God so loved. So God creates to display his grace, and God so loves that he makes a way that we can be made right, that we can have salvation, and that we can have forgiveness. We see God's love displayed. Yet there is a problem. Because the same God who loves and who creates out of love and who brings about the universe out of love, this God is holy and just and right. And this God cannot tolerate sin. He can't. He can't tolerate sin. He is perfect and just. So we we cry out to God, Oh God, how is it that your love and your justice can perfectly meet together? How is that? That's the mystery. That's the dilemma of the Scriptures. And finally, we see where Christ comes, and that is where we see God's love and His justice, His holiness and His grace, His mercy and His long-suffering and patience comes perfectly together in this fully human, fully divine man, Jesus Christ. This is it. So this is the gospel. 
And we see this in Ephesians 2. The Apostle Paul wants the book of Ephesians to draw our hearts and minds and eyes to the cross. And ultimately, Ephesians is to well up in us such a song of praise and glory that we just stand before God and then we fall prostrate before him. Because he is our everything. So that's what we see building here. And I said Ephesians 1 is all about God. God electing. God making a people. God saving them for His grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Ephesians 2 spells out for us what the gospel is all about. So if we understand the context of God's love, we enter into the dilemma. And this is verses 1, 2, and 3. When you are conceived, you are conceived into sin. This is the dilemma. You are conceived into sin, and you are born into sin. And when you are conceived and born, you are a sinner. And because you are a sinner, you are in condemnation. This is the state that we are in. Each and every one of us, you and me, we are born in a state of condemnation, deserving God's full wrath, his full fury, eternal separation and destruction. And why is that? Because in our sin, we walk in ways of rebellion and disobedience and we serve a master that is not God. And what Verses 1, 2, and 3, it develops for us these three masters that are over us in our sin and in our brokenness. Verse 1, you were dead. This is our pre-saved state. We are dead in our, and here's our first master, we are dead in our trespasses and sins when we once followed the ways of this world. So this is the world. This is the world all around us, this fallen world. So this is our first master that we are enslaved to, that we are in bondage to in the deadness of our sin. So that's our first enemy. And then the second enemy continues on in verse 2. We once walked following the course of this world. Our second enemy, the prince of the power of the air. So this is the devil. The devil and the demonic who, is, who his whole desire is to kill, steal, and destroy. So he comes deceiving and blinding the eyes of people so they can't understand. So we have the world that is mastering over us and enslaving us to death. We have the devil and then the enemy that is the closest, the enemy that is the most difficult the enemy that we will face until either we die or Christ returns is ourself, our fallen self, the passions and desires of our fallen flesh. That's verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. So this is the state we're in. To understand the gospel when we're doing evangelism, when we're preaching and teaching and sharing, whether it be a stranger on the street or a dear loved one or a co-worker or someone we're with, 
a part of evangelism, a part of the gospel, is explaining how dead we are without Christ. How utterly hopeless. The state that we're in is in condemnation. Deserving eternal punishment. This is of vital importance. Vital importance. Here we see Ephesians talks about us in our pre-saved state as being sons of disobedience. As being those enslaved by death and the power of death. And then as verse 3 goes on, by nature, children of wrath. Deserving God's holy, just wrath. Like the rest of mankind. You want to know good news? You've got to know the bad news. This is the reality of our state without Jesus Christ. And the whole purpose of that is to, again, lift up God's love. This is God's love in that He does not allow His children to remain in that state. That's the love of God. What the gospel is about is God coming and rescuing and saving us from our sin. At the heart of the gospel is a rescue mission. This is it. This is a rescue mission. And God knows how to. He is strong enough and he is able to rescue his children. This is the gospel. This is the truth. And it doesn't matter how far gone you are. It doesn't matter how broken. It doesn't matter how sinful. God, when he comes, he rescues you. And he makes you his child. Again, it's based on the gift of God, not based on anything you can say or do, anything you have said or done. It's based on God and his grace and his power alone. That's the gift that's being offered here in Jesus Christ. The more we understand our death in sin, the more we understand how loving and gracious God is in our salvation. We see this understanding of the world all around us. You see that in 1 John 2, where it says, Do not love the world. There's the things of the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. These things are passing away. They're passing away. This world, this fallen world is passing away. All those desires of the flesh that are in disobedience to God is passing away. It's leading to death. But there is life to be had in Jesus Christ. The devil, as I said, all he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep so that they may have life. That's the contrast here between our dead state in sin and the new life we have in Jesus Christ. So that's the problem. That's the dilemma. Without Christ, we are sons of disobedience. In unbelief, we are children of wrath. And then you have verse 5. Here it is. It's building. But this is what God does. 
even. It's one of the most important words in the Bible. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Even. That word there is displaying to you that salvation is a gift by God and His grace and His grace alone. Even. Even when you are in your rebellion against God, even when you are broken in sin and doubt, even when you are rebelling and turning against God, if you are one of God's children, He comes and He makes you alive. Even. And that even could be in any state. We all have friends and loved ones that it seems like it is hopeless that their lives will turn around, that they will come to know the full goodness of God. Even in that state, God will make a way for His elect. That's verse 5. That He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions it is by grace you have been saved. That's the key word, by grace. So what does this grace, what does this mercy mean? That's what we see Ephesians 2 continues to go on. I love Romans 5. Romans 5 to me helps illustrate what Ephesians is doing here about the even, the even. Romans 5 doesn't use the word even, but it uses the word still. Romans 5, starting at verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one will dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. <laughs> That's the good news. That's the good news. That's the gospel you can proclaim. That's the gospel you present. Are you an enemy of God? That's when Christ died for you. Are you in rebellion against God? That's when Christ died for you. Weak Sinners, enemies, as Ephesians 2 said, children of wrath by nature. The devil manipulating and working in our lives were sons of disobedience. These are the people to whom Christ died on the cross so that they could be made alive and freed from the ways of the world, freed from the tyranny of the devil, and find freedom from their own fallen flesh and passions and desires as they live a new life through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's the gospel. 
That's what we see lifted up here in Ephesians 2. As it continues on, we see this motivation. I take you back to verse 4. There's little, little words in the Bible that mean so much. As I already said, the even. Even is very key. Another word that's even smaller. That's all as important as this. It's at the end of verse 3 going into verse 4. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. In our sin, we, each and every one of us, deserved God's eternal punishment. We were by nature objects of wrath, but that's not the end of the story for those who come to believe in Jesus Christ. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy... That's what's amazing about the gospel is this, that God would come to us and not give us the wrath and judgment we deserve, but give us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, that we do not deserve. Because again, it's all about Jesus Christ and what he has done. It's based on God's love. It's based on his mercy. But how do we know this freedom? How do we know this new life in Jesus Christ? And it's this, it's by living in Jesus Christ. It's by the Holy Spirit living within us. We see that in verse 5 again. That he made us alive with Christ. Made alive with Christ. One of the most beautiful passages of Scripture that illustrate that is Titus. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. You see here a parallel with the Ephesians passage. It shows where we are in our state of sinfulness and how Christ makes us alive to a state of being God's children to receive all his promises and all his glory and grace. Titus chapter 3, starting at verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves, that's the key word, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's how Titus 3 talks about how we're all under the power of the world, the devil and the flesh in our unsaved state. Verse 4. Titus 3, but, there it is again, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, verse 5, He saved us, not because of works done by us, not because of us, not because of works, not because of anything we could say, anything we could do to earn any merit or pleasure of God. We can't. We couldn't. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's what it means to be made alive with Christ. Where on the cross, our sinfulness is placed on the perfect, innocent Jesus Christ. And the just wrath of God that we deserve is placed on Jesus Christ. And as Isaiah 53 says, it pleased God to crush His Son. Because His Son takes the crushing on our behalf. And that displays His grace and mercy. And then what happens is the righteousness of Christ is then given to us. So that when God looks at us, He no longer sees a child of wrath. He no longer sees a son of disobedience. He no longer sees someone who is a slave to the rule and the devil and the flesh. No, He sees His beloved Son with whom He is well pleased. That's the grace of God. (laughs) I tremble. I tremble when I think of where it says that for God's children, for those who believe in Jesus Christ, and we stand before the judgment seat, I tremble at the thought of God looking at me and saying, well done. Good and faithful servant. I tremble. My God, don't you know? I'm a child of wrath. But in Jesus Christ, He says, no more. But God, don't you know I'm a son of disobedience? But in Jesus Christ, He says, no more. You're my child. Even when you were, I made you alive. Even when you were still I gave my son Jesus Christ. That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. Not only are we saved, it says in verse 6 of Ephesians 2, that we were raised up with him and that he has seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. Wow. What a glorious state by God's grace. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. That's a very appropriate word, immeasurable riches of his grace. Don't worry about what you'll be doing in heaven. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Because let me tell you, For eternity upon eternity upon eternity, when you're not just prostrate worshiping God, you just lift your head a little and look at Christ, and you're again, oh, glory, glory. You look, oh, glory. I mean, I, I could do that forever. But beyond that, if that isn't enough, just beginning to understand the immeasurable riches of God's grace will take up your whole eternity. Just to look on the face of Jesus Christ would take up your eternity. Don't worry about what you'll be doing in heaven. It's going to be wonderful. It's glorious. And then if it is enough, verse 80 says it again. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not your doing. Not your doing. You couldn't do it. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are all His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in Him. So God saves us so we can be free, so we can do these good works. For what purpose? Oh, we're back to Ephesians 1.6 again. To the praise of His glorious grace. Remember, that's what it's all about. To the praise of His glorious grace. So let us pray. Father, we are so grateful. That you would free us from this world. That you would free us from the tyranny of the devil. That you would free us from those desires of our flesh, our mind, and our heart that are in disobedience to you. That those would be crucified with your son, Jesus Christ, that we may live a new life. Oh, we're so grateful. Father, we pray that you would use us. Father, we pray that you would use us to the praise of your glorious grace. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.